Turn in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, the 22nd chapter. We began last week a study in what I call the Big E, emotion, economics. We looked last week at emotion and really did not cover everything that I needed to cover. <clears throat> Matthew 22, verse 37 Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is likened to it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. We thank thee, our Heavenly Father, for another Lord's Day that you've granted us, for bringing us into this thine house. We thank thee for the right that we have to come before thy throne of grace. All these things we have due to the obedience of thy son, the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. We pray for our loved ones and our brethren. We pray for the sitter's family. Keep your protective hands upon them. Pray for the loved ones that are not in our midst, children and family members. Grant repentance and faith to them that are lost. We pray for our country that you'd have mercy upon it. Guide us in our endeavors to serve thee. We pray for those that's been mentioned in need of prayer. Strengthen them. Heal us of our infirmities. We know that you know all about our needs and our problems. Grant us eyes to see the truths of thy word and the heart to perceive and the ears to hear. Grant me the words to speak and the ability to speak. For it's in Christ's name through the power of the Holy Spirit we ask. And amen. We looked last week at mostly Solomon. Deuteronomy 17 tells us that the king is not to multiply wives, not to multiply horses, not to multiply silver and gold. Well, they did that, and it brought their kingdoms into destruction. Solomon had all the gold and wealth. Now, he was a great teacher, very good for money matters but did not heed some of his own writings. All is vanity, he said in his last days. I believe he repented. Samuel, in chapter 18 and 8, talks about Israel's first king who got bent out of shape when the women sang a song, Saul slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. They've ascribed to me only a thousand. Boo-hoo. Saul was 70 years old and David was about 19. That's Israel's first king and their great, greatest mere human king. And let's see what happened to them. They actually had another king a king that God put over them. His name was Nebuchadnezzar, and he actually put put them to shame in some ways. In the book of Jeremiah, the, seventh, the 27th chapter, God put Nebuchadnezzar over the whole world, and that included Israel. Jeremiah 27, chapter 4. Uh, 
and command them to stay to their masters. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Thus shall ye say unto your masters, I have made the earth, it's God's sovereignty, and the man and the beast that are upon the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm and have given it unto whom I, it seemed meet for, unto me. And now have I given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. And the beast of the field have I given him also to serve him, and all nations to serve him his and his son and his son's sons until the very time of his land come. Then shall many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of him. Interesting thing about Nebuchadnezzar, he kept his emotions in check. That's what we were studying is emotion. Solomon let the emotions get the best of them. Both of them were off in their method of worship. Daniel chapter 4, verse 7. I think it's chapter 4, verse 17. Well, before we get, get there, Daniel chapter 3 and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. When they would not bow down to the golden image, there were some people went and told Nebuchadnezzar, these Hebrews, they're not falling down and worshiping even though they'd been told that they would be cast into a fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded them to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then they brought these before the king. Verse 14 of Daniel 3, Nebuchadnezzar spake unto them and said, Is it, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods nor worship the golden image that I have set up? He did not take their word for it. He searched it out himself. Job, in Job chapter 28, verse 17, Job searched out what he didn't know. We don't always need to, unless it's taking the God's word for it, we don't need to take other word, people's word for anything. We need to study it out for our, ourselves. And we know what happened mentioned earlier this morning. What Nebuchadnezzar said when he was given back his wisdom and his right mind. He made a great statement about the true and living God. Keep your emotions in check. God's law is a law we can live with, and it's good if it's used lawfully. It tells us that we're sinners in need of a Savior. It helps us, helps us to get along with others. It keeps us from sin. It forbids covetousness, which causes theft. It tells of honoring parents. If we honor them, they'll give us wisdom, which will keep us from a lot of trouble. And on and on we can go with God's law. It it's, it's a law man can live with. Before God gave his holy law, few saw any need to bridle their passions. They just prided themselves in 
unbridled passions, and they did not live very long either. The, now, the law indeed was weak, and it only could condemn, but it could not save. But still, the law is good if a man use it lawfully. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. If we do that, we'll keep a lot of problems from coming about. The, the law does not leave room for compassion, but grace does. We got grace with Christ. We're still sinners. We're still human. We still get our feelings hurt. We still get angry. We allow our emotions sometimes to, to cause trouble. Sometimes holding feelings in, letting them destroy us, while Scripture tells us to be angry and sin not. In the Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. But now, well, verse 7, excuse me, in that which you also walked in some time when you lived in them. But now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you've put off the old man with his deeds. It's a tall order to be Christ-like. What's the problem with our emotions? Well, they're usually subject to Malice, pride, and envy. Over in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 20. Brethren, be not children in understanding, howbeit in malice be children. Children are not malicious. But in understanding be men, as you've heard it saying before. We teach children to be adults. Christ taught adults to be children. If we are children of God, we are to cast off pride and envy, malice. There's no place for it. Our mission is of grace. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 21. <clears throat> also take no heed unto all words that are spoken lest thou hear thy servant curse thee now it's man's nature to talk about others but if somebody says something bad about you look at it like well you're giving somebody else a break it ain't going to affect me none at all for oft times also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. 
golden rule. Do unto others as we would have others do to us. We get in the flesh. We react sometimes out of order. We get a black eye out of it. It's what it boils down to. George Washington Carver, who did a lot for advancement in chemical fertilizer, growing of plants and things. He was denied entry into one particular college due to the color of his skin. And when he was asked what college was it, he would not give an answer. He wanted to keep down the animosity. He made a statement to the effect of, I will not allow my soul to be reduced to hate. That's a good motto to have. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If we harbor such feelings, they will eventually explode. Sometimes it's best just, as the saying goes, let it go like water off a duck's back. In the book of Esther, we read about one man named Haman. Mordecai, I wouldn't bow before him. And that just ruined his whole day. No big deal. Well, it eventually cost Haman his life, too, because he wanted to kill the Jews, and it turned out that the Jews destroyed him. We can learn from these men that we've made mention of today. And keep our emotions in check or might lead to our undoing. Anyway, that's that's so much for the big E emotion. Now we're going to move on to the big E in economics. Proverbs 22 and 7, I believe, tells us that the borrower is servant unto the lender. Solomon was a great money man, but he had it all. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. That's that's what it reads. Israel was to lend. That's in Deuteronomy 28 and 12, but they were never to borrow. But if they disobeyed, they would borrow and wouldn't be able to lend. As I said, Solomon was a great man on money, but he had it all. What about what Christ said about wealth. Who did he commend? The widow's might. Luke 21 and 2. Not Solomon for all of his gold, but the widow who all she had was two mites and he put it into the treasury. What was it Christ said about her? It's in Luke chapter 21, verse 2. Verse 1, And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. Well, it sounds like they had plenty to cast in. And he saw also a certain poor widow. When he says certain, it's for real. 
casting in thither two mites. And he said, Of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast into the offerings, unto the offerings of God, but she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she had. That's Christ's take on the deal. In Proverbs chapter 21 and As said, Solomon was a great man on money mansion. But anybody would be great if they had a printing press, as we call it today. Print all the money you needed, no problem. We live in a day and age that's probably one of the worst things going on in America. Gambling. Lotto. Everybody goes buys tickets. Spending money that they don't have. You know good and well, I know good and well, that a lot of these people probably would be better off using that money for their family's good. Proverbs chapter 21 and 17. He that loveth pleasure or sport shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. Wine, women, and Solomon. What did it do to Solomon? He had wine. He had uh, the women and all that went with it. And bankrupt. I mean, what was it that they told his son? Lessen the tax burden upon us. They were taxed to death. Loving of pleasure will bring one to the poorhouse. We see that. And I, who's making the money off the, the, the lot of and all that? They say all the money's going for education. It don't. You all know as well as I know where that money's going. It's also corrupt when it's, rumor has it, and it's pretty pretty valid these gambling casinos are always around the big colleges where the ball games go on where the betting goes on those athletes who they used and they can now pay but used to the way they had to pay them was to go down to the gambling casino and put the quarter in the right machine and they'd instantly win Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 14 in the day of prosperity, be joyful, but in the day of adversity, consider. God also hath set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. When Pharaoh had his dream, he dreamed seven kind cattle, good, well-favored, then seven come up after them and ate them. That's what you're going to get out of the world. Everybody likes to stockpile wealth. And in the book of Psalms, the 62nd chapter, David had a, a great take on riches. 
It's too bad his son didn't learn that lesson. Psalm 62 and 10. Trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery. In other words, to take what you make of your own. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. <laughs> and then another place says, riches make themselves wings and fly away. In the day of prosperity, be joyful, but in the day of adversity, consider God has set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. But when we leave this world, our money goes to another. Money is never lost. It changes hands. If you prosper, set not your heart upon the prosperity. I've always maintained if you have wealth, you're probably going to need it. Ecclesiastes 10 and 19. A feast is made for laughter and wine for making merry, but money answereth all things. Now, people might trade this and that, but they want the wealth. They want to have the means to buy what they want to buy. It's just man's nature. Leviticus 19 and 13. This is getting back to the law. Leviticus 19 and 13. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Nobody does that anymore. The farmers do that. God placed man in a garden to be a farmer. He works the soil. Israel's rules, laws, and regulations they paid their laborers after the, the day was working day was over. It's the way it was done. It avoids a lot of problems that way. And back to Proverbs of Solomon's writings in the sixth chapter. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1. My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, if thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Do this now, my son, and deliver thyself when thou art come into the hand of thy friend. Go humble thyself and make sure thy friend. Give not sleep to thine eyes, neither slumber to thine eyelids. Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. It's all about surety, co-signing we call today. Don't go in debt for somebody else. 
don't even go in, in, in needless debt for yourself now. I mean, we in the automobile realm of today's world, you have to have a reliable one. You're going to have a car payment. You can use it to your good, keep you a good vehicle, breaks down, tell them to come and get it, or you're not making another payment. If you can comfortably make a payment for a short time, so be it. For a house, you're going to have to you're going to have the big payment, but not on a needless things such as a boat. And if you don't have money, there's a thing called scared money. When you're gambling, scared money going for the rent, you might lose it and you might not have a place to stay. That's material wealth. These things point to a greater need, spiritual wealth. If salvation came by money, few might get enough to buy redemption. But Hebrews 9 and 22 tells us without the shedding of the blood, there is no remission for sin. That's a high cost, and that lamb has to be perfect. And God could only trust one. That was his son. Leviticus 7 and 11 for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Now that was the atonement which only pushed the sins one year farther until Christ came. And he paid the ransom. Man's debt is no ordinary debt. We learn a lot out of debt. Solomon wasn't in debt, or was he? He was bankrupt, worshipped other gods. How could one do such? That's things we can't answer. In the book of Matthew, we read about the parable of the laborers. Matthew chapter... 20 verse 9 this is after the working day was over starting in verse 9 they come in to get their money and when they came that were hired about the 11th hour they received every man a penny which is a day's wage but when the first came, that they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden in the heat of the day. And he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? You're going to get from the Lord exactly what he promised. If you live in wickedness, you'll bear his wrath. If you live in obedience, you will be rewarded equally with what he said, eternal life. 
But he answered, verse 13, one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine I evil because I am good? Now, keep that same thought in mind. What about election? All the planets, he made them. The trees, the animals, he made them. Us, the souls, body, soul, and spirit of man he made. Is it not lawful for him to do with as he sees fit? None can stay his hand. This man was paid what he said he would get. This is a great sovereign grace text. The potter hath power over the clay. It's his clay. He can make it a usable vessel or destroy it. God will be no man's debtor. He will not be told how he will reward. In the book of Ezra, Ezra the prophet, that's before Job, not immediately before. It's Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, and then Job, then the Psalms. Ezra chapter 9, verse 13. This is after the return from the Babylonian captivity. And after all that is come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, and there's certainly no worse than we, seeing that our God has punished us less than our inequities deserve and hath given us such a deliverance as this, should we again break thy commandments and join affinity with the people of the abomination? Well, if we apply that to the Christian realm, he's forgiven us of our many sins. Should we go back and live like the world? We often refer, many times refer to that passage in Matthew chapter 18. The man who had wasted all that the Lord had entrusted him with. And the, the, instead of sending him, the, the Lord that is sending this man to the debtor's prison, he forgave him. But that man did not show the same compassion to others. Matthew chapter 18, verse 22. Jesus said unto them, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times. That's how many times you forgive one that's trespassed against you. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. 
For as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all, which would have been impossible. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, which is nothing. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Now, he had been forgiven the debt. The one that had been wronged was the Lord, a certain Lord, which meant it was a certain person. And, and of course, we know the outcome. That man was delivered to the tormentors, not the debtor's prison, the tormentors, verse 37. And he was, the Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due him. That's talking about spiritual life, in this case, spiritual death. The money is not, like I say, lost. It changes hands. Millions of dollars. The father's own son was the ransom that our that we owe to God's justice. How could the father lay upon his son all of our torment? That, that's what he did. We all have debts and trespasses. Economics figures heavily into the Christian life. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It implies that we will and we should. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory and forever. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men your their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Economics and emotion figures heavily together. Let us be children of our Lord, be conformed to his image. As Christians are to declare the goodness of God to the wicked and the unjust world, we can never repay the debt that we owe or owed that he paid in our behalf. In John's Gospel, the seventeenth chapter, the fourteenth verse I have given them thy word and thy word world, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of this world. You're not going to be thanked for any act of kindness. Judgment's coming. It always does. God will not miss the slightest sin. Either the sinner's substitute pays the sin debt or the sinner pays themselves. In John's Gospel, the 15th chapter, 
the 19th verse. If ye were of the world, the world would love its own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Now you look at the big names in the world. They make a big to-do about their name when they die or anything that they do. But Christians... Not much said in the world about them for the good. Verse 20, Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do to you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. No cloak for the sin. Man thinks that keeping clean, paying his bills, not killing anyone, not stealing, makes him a fit subject for heaven. We read the obituaries. Everybody goes on to be with the Lord. Thou shalt not judge. Life's, throughout life, we have to make judgments every day. The problem is, is being just and good before the men and just and good before the holy God is two different things. We're to be conformed into the image of our Lord and Savior. We're to count the cost of what it's going to cost to be the Lord's disciple, to be conformed to his image. In the Gospel of Luke, the 14th chapter, we're told to count the cost. Like I say, emotions and economics figure heavily together. Luke 14, <clears throat> verse 27, And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and count the cost, whether he hath sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. I mean, it's going to be just there before everybody. There's a foundation, but there's no building. What happened? Saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. For what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, or ambassage and desireth condition, conditions of peace. Ambassadors is what the word could be there. Somebody to raise the white flag so to speak so likewise whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath he cannot be my disciple the Lord pays for all that he orders to be his we must sit down and count the cost I can tell you what it's going to cost you it's going to cost you the world let us stand and we'll sing